I've been studying heaven for two and a half years and never thought I'd give a message on it. But the first time I did was two weekends ago when I talked about God's eternal dwelling place. And immediately after I got an email, when I was writing this message, I got an email from someone who heard my first one. This is what the email said. It's like broken. After you spoke, I mentioned it to my brother, who is a shut-in. I come to find out more about him. He has cerebral palsy, um, and it's all physical. Uh, It's manifested in all sorts of ways, but he's also blind. Um, So she mentioned it to her brother, who's a shut-in, and her sister, who is his caregiver for a while, about the service and told him they could watch it on YouTube. So my brother, who's been living in a broken body for years, but who's a firm believer in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, watched the service. And after you were done speaking, he said to my sister, wasn't that wonderful? Heaven is my home. Pat, which is the sister, got him ready for bed, and in an instant, as she was changing his shirt and had her arm around him, he met Jesus. She said he was staring past her, and she knew Jesus took him home. No more broken body, no more pain. He's running the streets of heaven. He can see again perfectly. And then she goes more into his story, which was beautiful, about like how everyone told him he couldn't do things, and he did them anyway. And then like when he was on dialysis, how much you loved it because you got to minister to people that didn't know Jesus there. <laughs> she said, thanks for helping to usher my brother into heaven. Our family can never thank you enough. It was the most peaceful death we've ever seen in our family. We look forward to the next message. No pressure. <laughs> Lynn. I called her right away. It was really an unbelievable conversation. I got to hear more. Here's the next message. It's, it's where we're going to end at the end of our weekend, at the end of the Bible. If you have your Bibles, I'll give you a second turn. It's worth it. Revelation chapter 21. John gets a vision of the future. We started at the very beginning. First verse we read was Genesis 1-1. Now we're starting near the end, the second to last chapter of the Bible. very end. Here we go. Chapter 21, verse 1, John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, so you didn't just see it, he heard, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. So John gets this vision of the future, and what he sees at the end is not individual souls escaping a physical earth going up to heaven. That's not what he sees. Look back to, with me to verse 2. I saw the holy city, so the holy city, the new Jerusalem, so new creation, new heaven, new earth. Look at the direction. Read it with me. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Next two words are. Did you think everything that? Did you know that? The direction of heaven is downward. Oh, you knew that? Heaven comes down. See, most people view heaven as an alternative to this life, but the biblical view of heaven is actually a restoration of this life. New heaven, new earth, new creation comes down. Just like Jesus, who was the first fruit in the incarnation, which direction did he come? When everyone thought the goal was to get to God, And then we were convinced, you're right, he came to us, but then we still act like we have to get to him. Anyone else? But it says Jesus is the first fruit. I like, don't turn with me, I'll turn there. Uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, well, first of all, he writes a lot of stuff, but he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 specifically about Jesus as the first fruit when he says this. But Christ has indeed, so not just the first fruit of heaven coming down, but also Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits. So he's not just the first fruit of heaven coming down. He's also the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Jesus, fully God, fully man. For as in Adam all die. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. Death is not just physical death. It's also separation. For as in Adam all die. So in Christ, all will be made alive. Jesus is the first fruit, the first installment of what is to come. Heaven coming down, yes. Also, those who are dead rising. He's the first installment of a resurrected body. See, when God created, he did not just create our soul and our spirit. He also created our bodies. So when God wants to redeem, he's not planning to just redeem the spirit. Also your body. When heaven comes down, new creation will be a perfected, yay, physical world where people will dance in their bodies. I mean, I've literally read dense books on heaven. And one of them had an entire chapter on a hug. We're going to hug we're going to eat. Yay. <laughs> but how kind, have you ever thought about how kind it is to, of God to like allow us to enjoy food? Because if you really think about it, all you have is like vegetarians and then you have like chicken, beef, and pork. And somehow we get real creative with all of it, right? And we can enjoy it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Why? Because it's just a foretaste. 
It's like the first fruit of enjoyment where we will eat. How do we know that we're going to eat? Because Jesus was the first fruit of that as well. Remember, the resurrected Jesus shows up on the scene. And people are like, it's a ghost. Do you remember? So there's something different about his body. That it looks different. And in Luke chapter 24, verse 39, listen to the words. He says, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And then he tells them, I'm hungry. (laughs) And then they cook up fish and Jesus eats it. In heaven we will eat. (laughs) We'll have new bodies fit. Eternal bodies fit for the new creation, the eternal creation, which will satisfy every longing we've ever had. Because the truth is, every longing you have is not a bad longing. It's a longing you have for your family to be restored, not a bad longing. It's actually a really good one. The longing you have for a better body. The longing you have for a better home, the longing you have for a beautiful beach all the time in Hawaii the longing you have to be up in the mount, those longings are there on purpose. God puts them in us on purpose. And John in the vision is saying this. Hear the words of the Lord. It's coming to you. Isn't this so true with the gospel? Like, we think we have to like do all this stuff. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm doing it all. I come to you. I'm bringing all of it. And the best part is, and the whole point of this whole message is, We don't have to wait for it. Because listen, back to Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. And be their God. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things have passed away. Here it is, verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Did you catch it though? He's not making new things. He's making the things new. That's different. He's not going to just make new things in heaven. He's going to make the things that he loves new. Anyone know where he starts? You. Not them. He who was seated on the throne, the one with all authority in heaven and on earth, was given to him. And he is making, did you notice the tense? Not will make, making everything new. It's not like a brand new car that's something else. It's like a restoration of the newness that's already within you that he's already begun in you. And he actually promises to finish the work he has begun in you, yes? And God always keeps his promises. But we live in this post-fallen world, but we have, we're unique because we live in a post-fallen world, but we actually have record and understanding of the pre-fallen world. Genesis 1 and 2, we have a taste of heaven, and it tells us everything that's good. People, good. Relationships, good. Earth, good. Birds, anyone have pet bird? Good. You prayed for me. Thank you for that. Um, That was good. (laughs) So good. All these good things. Animals. Some of you guys really like your animals. I have a cat. Not by choice. I had a rat. Um, It's good. Phineas is good. He's actually on loan. I have to give him back to my friend, which works out great for both of us. Uh, 
Oh, guys, and I really had a rat. Can I take a second with you? I really had a rat that I heard in my closet, and I just wait there sleeping. Like, do I just let him? You ready for it? It gets even crazier. Are you ready? It gets crazier. The next night, I woke up to him on my face. Mm-hmm. So I got a freaking cat. Some of you won't recover, I know. Well, this is about heaven, not that. But it was so evil. And I was convinced, and I was like, and I have a friend who's just like sees God in everything, and I was like, what do you do with that? She's like, something great is coming. Because every time you have rats and dreams or whatever, like it represents like, like evil, you know? And I'm like, yes. And here's the, be- the craziest part. That was like two weeks ago. Can I tell you, I'm coming in this weekend with a lot of anticipation for good things. But it was really interesting, the whole process of that. I'm not sure why I ended up going here. Why cats are good? That's where I landed? That's where I landed? Okay. Um, but I, I, there's a sermon in here. Um, you'll hear it probably later a little bit well told, but here's basically where it's at. Um, I tried to catch it with like just like a trap. Like I tried to fix it. When, when the person who actually came to take care of the rat found like all the places that the rat could get in, which is interesting. Maybe I wonder if that's for someone in this room. It has to be, because otherwise, why am I telling you this? It has to be, because you have to literally, you can't just like set a trap to try to like catch the sin thing that you're struggling with over and over and over and over and over again, and nothing's getting better. You actually have to figure out how it's getting in. And you have to create a new environment. You have to stop. So like someone went around and like, so like fixed all the holes, all the places that the enemy could get in. And maybe that's something we need to do. But back to heaven. <laughs> Guys, I've never told that on to it feels weird. You're, some of you are distracted. I'm so sorry. So we know what's good, not rats. We know what's good, and, but we also know what's not good. In fact, in Genesis 1 and 2, and then it bleeds into uh, chapter 3, the not good things, it describes two things. Number one, for man to be alone. In other words, to be isolated and lonely, it's not good. Why? Because he created us for community. In fact, I even find that the order of creation unbelievably, incredibly encouraging to us. Why? Because he creates different things. Good, good, sun, moon, stars. And then he gets to day six, and that's us, and he creates us. And then what happens on day seven? He rests, which, by the way, pre-fall. Rest is not a consequence of sin. It's good. Some of you need to rest as a part of God's good heavenly gift to you. That's good. But notice the, notice the order. He creates us on day six. Day seven, he takes the day off of work to spend time with us. It's a high compliment to us, the order of creation. It's really good. All the things he created are like really good. But as we know, chapter three, what happens, not just the badness of like people like kind of isolating and listening on their own to that dark voice. And then we know what's not good, right? And what happens when, is our relationship with God then falls apart because we listen to another voice other than his. And it's not just our relationship with God, it's also our relationship with each other. It's our relationship in view of ourselves. It's our relationship with nature. We begin to experience fear, aging, disease, natural disasters, death, sin, a shame, hiding, fear, anxiety. All of that comes in. And we know that it's not good, but the beauty and the hope of heaven is that one day all of our longings will be satisfied. See, when we get to verse three and it says, now the dwelling of God is with men, when that relationship is restored, then everything else is restored. And I'm here to tell you, what are you waiting for? When our relationship with God is restored, then look what happens. All other things get to be put right. And one day all the sad will be wiped away and the only thing that will remain is what's good. Everything else will be no more. I really like imagining heaven 
but it seems, it's really interesting, as, as um, John gets to this moment, it's like he sees something, he's trying to describe it, and he's struggling to describe it, and then he suddenly's like, let me tell you what wasn't there. Have you noticed he does that? There'll be no more mourning, no more death or crying or pain, and he continues, and I heard a pastor named Kyle Eidelman gave an introduction to a guy who was gonna speak about heaven, and in his intro, he did something really interesting. He talked about a note he created in his phone, and I created the exact same note and continued on what he began. And here's what I continued on. Everything in heaven that will be no more. There will be no more death, mourning, crying or pain, or loss or cancer, heart disease, cerebral palsy, worry, anxiety. There will be no more divorce, rejection, loneliness, feeling left out, feeling uninvited. There will be no more arguments. There will be no more suffering, no more longings. There will be no more depression. There will be no more wheelchairs, no more sleeplessness, no more apathy, no more abuse, no more radiation, no more racism, no more anxiety medication, no more middle-of-the-night phone calls. Anyone else hate those? No more self-hate, sexual abuse, rape comparison, no more failure, no more breakups. Guys, I just couldn't stop, so here we're going to keep going. There's going to be no more acne, no more accidents, <laughs> no more disease, no more laundry. I'm not sure, but I hate it. No more, I don't know. I don't know if there will be, but okay, just let's imagine. No more curses, no more taxes, no more worry, because we won't lack anything. No more fear, no more striving, no more eating disorders. No more like obsession over food. We'll just enjoy it. No more purposelessness, no more boredom, no more single parenting. No more sin, no more mistakes, no more accidents. No more locks on our doors. No more unsatisfaction, no burden to provide or glasses, prosthetics, special needs. Lies, pornography, demons, disappointments, alcoholism, suicide, wrinkles, <laughs> muffin tops, <laughs> feeling like you're behind, angry neighbors, confusion, persecution, dread, welfare, shame, blame, condemnation, accusation, violence, fear of the future, stealing. There'll be no more autism, no more funeral homes, nursing homes, waiting rooms, tired, feeling tired. There'll be no more double chins, no more... Sh <laughs> There'll be no more shaving. <laughs> I lost my place. It just keeps going. There'll be no more shaving. Uh, I don't know about that, but yeah. Traffic, hormones, crash diets, spanking, arthritis, migraines, hot flashes, fires, litter, anxiety, gossip, sad, bad. There'll be no more of the way things were never meant to be. Because he who is seated on the throne is what? making everything new. And the best part of heaven, as we were reminded just last night, is not what's not there. It's who is. God himself. <laughs> making, present tense, everything new, beginning with us. So we leave this weekend talking about heaven, realizing we don't have to wait for it. Why? Because not only is God making all things new in us, remember how he taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, oh. hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? Friends, why do we not have to wait for heaven? Because heaven's coming down now. It's not just God's presence, although it is. It's God's kingly rule. What is the kingdom of heaven? It's anywhere God is king. What is that like? It's anywhere God is king in us. My hope for this message is not that I send you off to go do a bunch more, but rather to find the kingdom of heaven where you already are. Being a lot more intentional to bring it. He says, one day, I'll bring it in its fullness. In the meantime, let me teach you how to pray that heaven would come down in your relationships. Like it did for my friend Erica the minute she wrote a letter and it said, I forgive you. Heaven bursting forth. Heaven wants to crash in everywhere, but as I'm studying... And looking at what, the hev- what it looks like, I'm really convinced it's actually, I think the big things are great. These big moments, the big retreats, lots of people, that's great. But I'm starting to realize it seems like heaven kind of wants to trickle in, in like a thousand kindnesses, you know? I walked past a teacher at my school. She's like, the other day I had lunch with my family with a homeless person. And I was thinking, that's it. Like giving food to a homeless person that's loving. Sharing a meal with a homeless person, that's dignifying. It's that. Friends, I have like so many stories. My mind's like going, which one do I tell? We'll see. Let's see. I don't know. It's my friend Mandy. There's one. It's my friend Mandy who found out that I wasn't sleeping when my husband went to heaven. I didn't sleep. And she goes to prayer one night and goes like, God, is there like a way I can carry you? No one knows that she's saying this prayer. She's just having this moment going like, she's imagining me, taking time to be thoughtful about me, generous with her thoughts. You can be generous with money. You can also be generous with your thoughts. She goes, God, would there be any way for me to like carry this for me? The next day, I call my sister. I'm like, Kimmy, I slept. And my sister goes, You slept because Mandy didn't. God kept her up. Kingdom of heaven bursting forth. I wonder how he wants to burst forth in you. And I know the kingdom of heaven feels really upside down. It's loving the unlovable. It's forgiving the guilty. It's everything we've received from him transforming us to go out of us. And it wants to break forth everywhere. There's been times I've wondered, like, does giving messages matter? Is it just for the moment, like a jolt of inspiration? And I'm, here's why. I always come back to one sermon I heard from the, um, a guy on this stage. His name's Jeff Lilly. And he got on stage and he gave this message and he's like, God so loved the world. And I was waiting for him to finish the sentence that he gave, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I was waiting for the whole message to be about the second half. He just stopped at those words. God so loved the world. Do you? And he goes, here's my challenge. And it was to the Hume Lake staff. Here's my challenge. Care for not just what God cares for. People, yes. Also, he cares about the world. So don't walk past a piece of trash ever again. That was 14 years ago I heard that sermon. 
guys, I've picked up the grossest things. <laughs> Sometimes I have to go find trash to pick up in order to pick up the trash that I first saw. <laughs> Thank you. Is that for you? That's for you. <laughs> burst forth the kingdom. <laughs> Someone bring me the kingdom. Um, <laughs> on um, the, so last Thursday morning, I had like too much to do, you know those days, but then like I, and I had like a deadline at noon, and I woke up at early, and I, but I like looked at my schedule after I dropped my boys off at school, and I was like, just to make sure I don't have like those random like things you plan that you forget about, because I had like some work to do, you know? And then you know what I had scheduled months earlier? A DMV appointment. <laughs> oh, see? Yeah, I know. And so the DMV, I'm like, no way. I'm like, what is it for? To renew my license. My birthday's coming up. Hey and um, I'm like, oh, no, I, have to, I, I actually have to. I travel for a living, so like, I have to get, oh, man, this really is unfortunate timing. I was like, or is it? Willing participant for however God wants to use my life, right? I'm like, I'm going to the DMV this morning, and it's not just to renew my license. So can, I, can you picture me walking in? I'm like. <laughs> and like the. the <laughs> so I'm like, I cannot wait to talk to everyone. Like, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? And everyone's like really obsessed with their phone, really obsessed with their phone, really obsessed with their phone. Like, the, sorry, that was rude. Um, <laughs> Everyone's like, no one's like, no one's coming to the DMV for the same reason I'm coming to the DMV. <laughs> like, and I, people are kind of ignoring me, kind of being nice. I, I just don't think we need a lot of nice Christians. I think we need like transformed ones, right? And so I'm like trying, trying, and it's like kind of failing, but I'm like, no, there's a reason. There's a reason I'm at the DMV, and it cannot just be so that I renew my license. And so I get finally, my number's called. I'm like, this is my last moment, like last person. Here we go, gal, we'll see who you are, you know? And so my number's called G19, and so I'm like, that's me. And so, you know, I go, and I'm, like, walking down the aisle trying to find, like, number 23. And so I, like, find, I see the lady, I'm like, here we go. I was like, hello. She's like, hello. Doesn't even look down. She, I hand her my paperwork. She never even looks up. I'm like, what's your name? She's like, Roxanne. I'm like, yeah. Um, how are you? She's like, good. Keeps working. I'm like, yeah, for sure. Uh, do you like working at the DMV? <laughs> and she goes, Yeah keeps working. And I'm like, hmm. How about like the jokes that everyone makes about you guys being all slow? Do you like that? And she goes, I like it. I'm like, well, it was just weird. It was just, but I got her eyes. I got her eyes. And that's all I needed. And I looked at her. We both kind of had this little chuckle. And I was like, how are you really? She goes, I'm okay. I'm like, just okay? She's like, not really. I'm like, sucker. <laughs> and it was like, Kate, Kate, now here's where it gets kind of crazy. It gets, it gets crazy town because basically what she tells me, she's like, yeah, I don't really know why I'm like still here. I'm like, I do, you know? And then she's like, you know, I'm like, tell me, tell me the story. She's like, I had COVID in like um, 2020. 
I had COVID when it was the most serious and I was the serious case. She goes, it got so bad that I was like half in and out of consciousness. And then like, I looked at the doctor and I'm like, am I gonna die here? Cause like, it was the season when like, no one could be at the hospital, no one could be near. And she's sitting alone in her bed and she's like, am I gonna die? And the doctor's like, I can't tell you that. And then he comes back later and she's like, if I'm gonna die, can you at least let me know? So I can call my family cause they can't be here. He leaves, comes back a little bit later and hands her her phone. This is how bad it got. And this was before she went on the ventilator for three months. She goes, so like, I'm living. I was like, what was it like when you got back? She was like, I tried to like live for this life. She goes, I got so wasted and I partied hard for like a year. I was like, did it work? She goes, no. She goes, I mean, it was fun. I'm like, yeah, girl. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> this is actually what happened. <laughs> She's like, it was fun, but like, it does, it's not like, it doesn't like satisfy. Like when you're like really trying to like figure out why you're like alive. I was like, how about church? And then we start talking about church. I was like, tell me about, like, she goes, she goes, oh, you want to hear something crazy? I'm like, yeah. She goes, but you won't believe me. I'm like, try me. She goes, okay, so um, when I was like, like, really, it felt like the end. They were, like, wheeling me out. She's like, I can, she goes, she goes, you're going to think I'm crazy. I'm like, I don't think you're crazy. She goes, I think I went to heaven. And yet what you don't know is I've been actually not only reading, like, all the deep theology books for fun. I've read the near-death experiences, too. And they're so good, right? And I can't stand up here and preach. Like, let me preach with you. But I can tell you a lot of timeless truths that I can pull out of those stories and experiences. Things like people that truly, that there's a light. And I'm like, yes, Jesus is the light. And in that moment, they, they, I mean, there's one guy who talked about like, yeah, in that moment, I'm just like, everything I've ever done is like right there. And it's like fully exposed. And somehow I've never felt more loved in my entire life. That's it. That's one of them. And I'm like, that sounds true. Whether or not it happened, I don't know. I don't, I, I can't. I can't tell you with like certainty, but what I can tell you is you will be fully known and fully loved in that moment. I know that. Or about an atheist professor who goes, claims to go to heaven. And what he happened is he was basically, his entire life is before you, which apparently that's a common thing in near-death experiences. Your entire life is before you. And th when this guy is looking at his life, he basically gets to a point where he's like, they're pointing out all the positives, all the negatives. And then at the point, he's like, I actually had a conversation with someone there and I had a conversation with someone there. And he's like, what about my trophy? Like that one trophy. <laughs> And whoever it was looked back and, and said, oh, we value different things here. Anyone know what we value here? Love, kindness, patience. That's, that's the reward stuff. The reward stuff. And by the way, then I looked up the Sermon on the Mount. You want to know every time he mentions reward, reward, it's based on hidden things that we do. So I actually don't think I'm going to get a ton of rewards by like what I do on the stage. Because anything you, if you give me feedback, you, I lose my reward in heaven. <laughs> you know? But you know what's, gonna, you know what's, you know, like, caretakers? Oh. Some people who are, right now are caring for their elderly parents. Your reward is waiting for you. And if you've dealt with someone who feels like maybe the least of these, what I love about it is scripture that goes like, the last. You want to know about the last? In heaven, they're going to be first. And I don't know about you, with eternity on the mind, I'd be more than okay with being the least here on earth. If my reward. <laughs> and some of you just need to know that visual picture of them at the front. We don't have to wait for heaven to experience it now.
my little boy looked at me at one point on the car ride about two weeks ago, and he goes, Mom, I really want to go to heaven. And I was like, me too, bud. And we're just driving. And he's like, no, 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 like, like today. How can we get there today? Do we have to die to go there? And I'd been writing this message. And I looked at him and I went, no. Because guess how Jesus taught us to pray, bud? That heaven would come down through how you live. And then we talked about how. It was one of the most thrilling conversations. So I send you out. And this weekend at Hume, I'm not telling you to go do a bunch of stuff, but rather to approach your already stuff you're doing in a new way. Revival doesn't take place when more people come to church. Revival takes place when the people who are already at church are transformed and they go out. The direction is backwards. We think revival is people coming in. No, it's people purposely going out. We think heaven is us floating up. No, it's heaven coming down. The kingdom is upside down. It's picking up trash. It's little acts of kindness. It's eye contact. And I'll tell you, some of the things we have to be mindful of is it's really hard to be hurried and display the fruit of the Spirit. It's hard to be distracted and to pay attention. And so we have to be mindful and begin to talk about the holes in our life that need to be sealed up so that the rats can't get in. Look at that. See, I brought it back. <laughs> Andy Crouch, I like the way he put it. He said, basically, Christians, we are so busy critiquing what's broken instead of restoring what's good. And he says, it's not about critiquing or withdrawing. In fact, some people say, oh, people are so focused on heaven that they're no earthly good. The truth is, if you set your mind on things above, what you realize is he has his mind on us. But the, I like the direction. Colossians 3, you don't just stare at earth. You stare at him who gives you a new perspective of earth. Do you see it? So we look up. And what we see is that he's looking right at us. And we conclude not just knowing the direction of heaven, where it is that heaven's coming down, what it is that God's making all things new, or when that we don't have to wait. We also get to land with who it's for. Revelation 21, verse 6. He said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. The first death would be the physical death. The second death would be the lake of fire. Who will be a part of the new creation if the people who go into the lake of fire, the idolaters, the sexually immoral, are the people who go to the lake of fire, wouldn't it make sense that the people that go to heaven are the ones who are pure, tell the truth, and are the opposite of this, the brave, the non-killers? Does it say... The sexually pure and moral and honest are the ones I'll give to drink from the water of life. Who does it say? Verse 6. He said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the, what is the word? Thirsty. Not the good, not the moral. It's those who thirst. 
heaven is for the thirsty. So we conclude our weekend not going to him and saying, I'm cleaning up my life and I'm not going to be sexually immoral or no more. I'm not going to do more idolatry or lying. Now, frankly, you should do that. (laughs) You should do that because your life would be much better if you submitted to his ways. But before you do any of that, come and say, I thirst for more of you. Yes, the people who go have entrance into heaven are those who put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. What brings them to that place is when they get to their life and they say, I thirst for something more than what I think I can accomplish on my own. I can't be pure enough. I can't be moral enough, good enough as I need to be. I need, I thirst for your salvation, for your full forgiveness. I thirst. It's the thirsty ones who are led into heaven, not the good, because the truth is that there aren't any. There's the bad and the relatively worst. (laughs) It's the thirsty that are let in. The people that will be a part of the kingdom of heaven breaking through are the people who are thirsty for more of him. So the posture I want to leave us with is one of thirst for more of him. To wake up each morning, see, sanctification just rehearses salvation. The same way you come to him is the same way you're changed to become more like him. It's not your good behavior. It's not you fixing yourself, trying to do all the good and be perfect. Friends, the way that we will be transformed is when we humble ourselves and say, I'm not, I can't, I won't without you and I thirst for more of you. And then you walk into your DMV appointment realizing you have something more to do than renew your license, which is what I said to Roxanne at the end of the conversation. Roxanne, I am here for you. And her response was, that actually makes a lot of sense because you could have actually done all this online. (laughs) And the weird part is I didn't regret a single ounce of it because I'll tell you this, my whole life is going to be now studying heaven to understand what it means for it to come down through me. But I'll say where it begins starts with us. So, Heavenly Father, make us new. Is there a part of our life we don't believe that you can make new? God, give us faith to believe you. And I know that I know that there's women in this room who still have not put their faith and trust in you. Something's been holding them back. Maybe they thought it was that they had to do everything to be good enough, to be lovable. And I want to tell you, he loves you. And finish the verse. Yeah, God so loved the world. But he so loved the world that he gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his begotten son that whosoever believes in him will have everlasting life. Jesus was the first fruit of the resurrection of death not being the final conclusion to our story either. And so I wonder... What part of you is he wanting to make new? And the best part, all you got to do is come to him and say, I thirst. (laughs) Set your mind on him. Come thirsty. That we might leave tasting a taste of heaven where we will be satisfied. And in the meantime, God, thank you for using our tears and our mourning and our crying and our pain. Knowing and trusting in full faith that one day it will be no more. But in the meantime, use us and use it because eternity is forever and we want to be faithful 
with the life you've given to us. So God, we come to you and just say, I thirst. Amen.